not fear the one and only Tucker Carlson. He's here, right here, right now. Buck up, it's going to get better. Hello, welcome to Tuckered Out. I'm Troy. I'm Tyler. And if you've been having a good day, you can check it at the door. We're here to talk about the man, the myth, the reason I'm hungover, Tucker Carlson. <laughs> All right, so we, we have kind of a, a weird episode today, and I'll um, I'll get to that in a moment. But first, we got our first listener email. Hell yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm so legitimately excited about this. Oh, me too, dude. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're real now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Tyler, with, uh, with our, uh, listeners permission, would you mind reading what he had to say about our humble show? Uh, absolutely. So we got an email from Jim. He says, howdy, I just started listening to your show on a recommendation from a mutual friend, which means he has friends to listen to our show, which is weird. Um, <laughs> and boy, was I not expecting it to be so good. You really tear everything Tucker says down to the studs and then you pull those up too. Typically, when I hear some clip of Carlson's show, I think to myself, hey, I hate this. This is insane. But I don't have anywhere near the amount of info that you've put together to answer why exactly I hate it and what's fundamentally wrong with it. Feels like the show is a booster shot for my propaganda immunization. Really excellent work, guys, and funny, too. Oh, you just... You're so sweet. Well, thank um, you so much, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... Anyways, I just wanted to let you know I think you're killing it, and please think of adding me to the underground distribution list after the cease and desist letter shows up. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Best, Jim, the sworn enemy enemy of cantaloupe, coin-operated laundry, and zebra mussels. Those are excellent enemies, (laughs) I gotta say. For real, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much, Jim. For real. Thank you so much, Jim. Um... And I mean that, that that's what that's what I try to do because it, it th- there's inherent asymmetry in discourse where like it's way easier to generate lies than it, than it is to find out what's true, and most people just don't have the time. So in in my in my headier moments, I'm like that's what I'm doing here. I'm putting in the legwork so other people can be like, hey, these are the lies that are out there. This is why they're bullshit. So it means a lot that that seems to be working for you. Yeah, and I. I Troy remembers it was not very long ago that I um almost got it got sucked into some alt-right pipeline stuff like I sort of was sucked into some anti-feminism for a while so it's like some of their rhetoric is really convincing if you're the right type of person <laughs> yeah I... um and it was it was podcasts and YouTube shows that po- helped me point out oh that's stupid and dumb and I shouldn't believe these things <laughs> so yeah yeah and d- to give you an idea um what I spent this week doing, because at the end of our last episode, I, I said that we were going to um, change up the structure a little bit for this week, and there are a couple of reasons for that. One was just that I was becoming frustrated with ha- with the repetition on, on Tucker's show. Um, he was firing off a lot of the same narratives over and over again, and when he did bring something new to the table, it... It tended to be the kind of thing that, like, th- there's not a lot of meat for me to dig into. I can't refute that our c- cities have gotten dirtier. I don't, like, it's not a conversation <laughs> worth having. So I wanted to give Tucker a week to kind of get some new talking points. And then on Monday, his uh, his podcast starts. So it's uh, called Tucker Carlson Today. Um, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, they've got an hour-long episode that focuses on one topic. That's what it seems to be. Okay. And then in April, the Tucker Carlson Originals, which is like the documentary series he's planning, 
they're going to start. So I'm going to have a lot to do in the coming weeks, and I I took some steps this week to kind of prepare myself to manage that workload. Um, but as a result of that, this week's episode ended up being a bit lighter on research. So what I spent my week doing, Tyler, because something I've said before on our show is that within the world of Tucker Carlson's show, he controls reality. Yeah. Right? He... He decides what information is presented and how it's interpreted. So I wanted to see how Tucker presents himself when he doesn't control reality, right? Like, how is he outside of his own show? So I spent the week tracking down every shred of that that I could. Every interview he's done, every podcast he's been on. I found a couple of, like, 48-second videos of people stalking him on the street with their iPhone cameras. Wow. (laughs) And I'm excited to see what you found now. Actually. Well, so, and you and I hung. We're recording this on Saturday. You and I hung out on Thursday evening. Mm-hmm. Watched the Snyder Cut, um, the second half. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, I told you that I was worried about today's episode being boring. Uh-huh. Um, that evening, I was gifted manna from the gods, <laughs> Tyler. I, I stumbled onto something so crazy. <laughs> um, and so that led me to scrap most of what I had for the episode I put together. Okay. All right. Um, it, frankly, a, a ton of the interviews that are available out there are from a 2018 book tour he did for his book, Ship of Fools. And so he hits a lot of the same talking points, and that wasn't particularly useful to me. And so that was part of my, my concern with it, it being boring to listen to. So we're going to hit. Just a couple of the uh, the highlights of important things I learned that are kind of going to affect how I cover and how I criticize Tucker going forward. And then once we get those out of the way, we're going to move into one of the craziest goddamn interviews I've ever heard. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so to start out with, uh, we've got a nice symmetry with last week. Because our first interview is from Tucker in 2018 for the book tour. He went on the Ben Shapiro show. Our favorite little boy. (laughs) And uh, we've criticized Tucker for complaining about elites while being rich as fuck. Um, Mm -hmm. So I thought it was only fair. He he responds to that criticism here. And I I thought it was interesting to hear how he thinks about it. So one of the things that you do in the book, and I wanted to ask for clarification on this, because you've mentioned the words elites a few times. And when I talk about elites, what what I've really tried to do is distinguish elites from elitists. Because... Elites to me are folks who very often, you have elite in every field. You have elite in the NBA because they're the best basketball players. Right. You have elite economically, many times because they went to a good school and because they have generated some sort of service or good that a lot of people want to buy into. And then you have elitists who are, in my opinion, the people who are really the problem, the folks who think that they ought to be able to cram down their values on somebody else. Are you conflating elite with elitist? Because obviously, look, you're an elite, right? You're, you're a guy who's very wealthy. You've done very well for yourself. Well, that's the whole point and, of the book. Is that? I, and then I hope I... One thing I try never to do is pose as something I'm not. Right, no, I'm, I'm not. not and, I'm and that's not an accusation, right? No, of course I mean, not. No, no, but I just want to be extra clear. I mean, I'm an elite too, right? I mean, I went to Harvard Law School I mean, we do well. So. I grew up in La Jolla and Georgetown. I'm not here to give you the view, view from coal country. Right. I'm here to give you the view from the world I grew up in and have lived in always, which is the world of the people making a disproportionate number of the key decisions in our country, economic, political, cultural, determine, you know, like who makes the most money. So I guess the question was, is that an economic status or is that a mindset? Because- No, no, it's a practical reality. Every society is hierarchical. I'm not arguing against that. People are innately hierarchical. So are dogs. It's a mammal thing. 
Okay, so you're not going to change that. There will always be people who are making more decisions than other people, who are making more money than other people. They are the people at the top of your society. What has changed from previous generations is not simply the magnitude of the concentration of wealth and power, though I do think as like measurably that is more disproportionate than ever. But that's not really what's changed. What's actually changed is the mindset of the people in charge. They no longer acknowledge they're in charge, and they no longer acknowledge that they have a responsibility to the people whose lives they influence. And, and that's just one example, because like I said, in, if, it, it's, if, it, if it's an interview Tucker did in 2018, he said all the same shit. This is maybe his most pointed version of it, but he, he says all the time, you know, I grew up in La Jolla. I'm not here to give you the view from coal country. I'm here to give you the view from the people I'm writing about, which is the elite class, because I know them. But he's really weird about his definition of elite to me. <laughs> yeah. um, slightly off topic. Ben Shapiro mentioned that there are economic elites who are wealthy because they went to a good school. Yeah. Um, the two richest people in the world right now are Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. And they're not rich because of how educated they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, but most of us, are, our dad didn't know the diamond mines. So. Yeah, so he, he's just like trying to convince you that, oh, rich people are rich because they deserve it. They got more education than you did and not because they were born into a bunch of privilege. Yeah. Elon yeah. Emerald Mine Musk. <laughs> I um something that happened over this week. There are several points where I, I was kind of falling under Tucker's spell. I would be like, "Oh, I, I kind of like this guy when he's not on his own show." So something was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it, he he talks a lot ab about how um he prefers kind of like long form conversational settings. He I guess several times has pitched like a a long-form, one-topic-at-a-time show to networks and hasn't been able to get one since Crossfire. So, I'll grant that he seems less awful when he's able to fully articulate his ideas. However, what I also found is that there are a couple, like, there are a couple of things I dislike about him that are more central to his character than I thought they were. Okay. Um, I think we'll get a, a better idea of what I mean by that as we go. So, in, in addition to the elite thing... I've also criticized Tucker on the basis that things he gets upset about are just the workings of free market capitalism, which his side ostensibly supports. And I do think I'll stop criticizing him on those grounds, because he makes it very clear here in this interview that he does not give a fuck about the free market. You're in complete charge of your children. You can do whatever you want to them. You can make them wear funny hands, hats, dance on one foot. You can make them speak a different language. You can do whatever you want. They're your kids. You're God. But... With those rights, your rights as a parent come obligations to take care of the people over whom you have control. And that is what has been lost. And so Travis, the teenage billionaire who ran Uber, founded it, oversaw the second biggest workforce, employee workforce in the world, and yet he didn't claim them as employees. He didn't pay their health insurance. He did One third of them lost money working for him. Now, you could say, well, it's the free market. Okay, okay, fine. But it doesn't absolve him of his core responsibility. If you're creating a hierarchy of responsibilities, first is to the people closest to you, and that would include your children, your spouse, your employees, and then to the world. They've inverted that. So Travis was always lecturing the rest of us about police brutality or Black Lives Matter or global warming or whatever. 
What he was doing was displacing his responsibility from the real and the tangible to the theoretical and cost-free. So I would get these notices on my on my Uber app being like, let's pause for a moment to remember the victims of police violence, which, I, you know, that's fine. But before you start lecturing me about my moral inadequacies and about how you care more than I do, maybe you could pay for the health insurance of your freaking employees, pal, Mr. Teenage Billionaire Guy. I like the tough talk there. All right, pal, Mr. Teenage Billionaire Guy. <laughs> <laughs> global warming known theoretical and cost-free problem <laughs> yeah yeah that that's silly <laughs> um, and I, I left that in mainly because uh it points to something important that i i learned about how tucker sees the world and that's that he really is like it, you only have a core responsibility to the people in your immediate circle and so what it's interesting to me the way he framed that, that he considers caring about issues that don't affect people you don't know as an inversion of your moral responsibility and like an excuse for not meeting your own obligations. Yeah, it's it's very weird. It's in that pattern he does of like, everything is a binary. You either have to care about this or this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a- after that, Ben Shapiro gives the Econ 101 argument in favor of Uber. He's like... It, well, you know, they're they're able to offer those rides cheaper because obviously having independent contractors is cheaper, and Tucker doesn't give a fuck. Okay, I mean, if by having independent contractors you mean underpaying and under-supplying your workforce with the materials required to do their job, then yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um... Uber's a billion-dollar company, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's insane. Like, several billion, maybe, yeah. even by now? And then, uh... And and then after they have their little is libertarian libertarianism stupid spat, then Ben uh, reads a quote from Tucker's book. I've read. I want to read a quote from your book because it struck me because it's obviously a really well written book and it, and it makes some arguments that struck me as actually very much in sync with, for example, some of the things that Bernie Sanders says. So the the quote is this. Let me just say because they are. Oh, so that's exactly what I'm going to ask you in yes. a second. So here here's the quote. Prosperity is a relative measure. It doesn't matter how much brightly colored plastic crap I can buy from China. If you can buy more, you're the rich one. I'm poor by comparison. Poverty doesn't cause instability. Envy does. So I actually agree with the last couple of sentences that envy causes instability. But my solution to that is people should actually, it's its actually against the Ten Commandments. Like you should stop worrying about what your buddy has if your life is better. I couldn't agree more. Despite all the talk about economic stagnation in the United States since 1979, you can get a lot better stuff. That cheap colored plastic crap is not just junk from China. I mean, you're talking about better cars, better refrigerators, better air conditioning, bigger houses in many yeah, cases. that's great. I'm uh, for that. Yeah. I benefit for all that. How's that work? I what's, mean, this, what's the suicide rate doing right now? Tucker shut that right the fuck down. Yeah, like, why am I on Tucker's side right now? This is weird. <laughs> yeah, and this is, like, something that I, I realized, I was kind of re-reminded, I guess just reminded, of, <laughs> of why I... Why I was interested in it, in covering Tucker in the first place, because there is the reason of just his show is the most popular. But also, like, if Hannity still had the most popular cable news show, I, I wouldn't do a podcast about Hannity. I don't find him interesting. At least not for more than a couple of minutes. Right, like, it, Tucker... I'm going to say more nice things about Tucker in this episode than I'm comfortable with, but don't worry, he sucks. Um, but he... Can't confirm. <laughs> He is smarter than a lot of these guys. Like he, he's a thoughtful 
person. And he's not just towing a party line, he's thought about these things, and he, he has some insights that, in some cases, I think are even worth considering. The problem is that th- there are things like specifically we're going to we're going to learn in this episode more about how kind of misogyny and transphobia are really core to his being and th- that's frustrating because a lot of his economic instincts i think trend in the right direction and it it becomes really apparent in this conversation that he's just leaps and bounds ahead of Ben Shapiro like Ben Ben is in the 101 course Tucker's already graduated yeah like um Maybe it's not worth, like, going back to, but um, he's like, oh, it's against the Ten Commandments. You shouldn't be envious of what your neighbor has. <laughs> yeah. But, like, Economics 101, scarcity exists. So if one person has a lot, that necessarily means that other people have less. <laughs> um, and you eventually get to a point where someone has so much. Jeff Bezos made $3,000 every second in 2020. Um <laughs> Yeah. You eventually have so much that it is immoral to have that much money, in my opinion. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's not just, oh, we should stop being envious. We should just work harder on ourselves. It's like, there's a systemic problem here that exactly. is allowing Jeff Bezos to be inordinately wealthy. <laughs> yeah, Ben's Ben's solution to income inequality is be less jealous because it says so in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Very dumb. Um, so then Ben wants to push him on this a little bit more, and he brings it to a specific example. If, if you wake up one morning and you find yourself in a society where 23-year-olds with four-year college degrees and, like, initiative, who aren't smoking weed every day, if they can't make enough to buy a car, much less a home, much less get married, much less have children, then why should you be surprised when half of them say they prefer socialism? Well, I, you should not be surprised. So I agree to a certain extent. I think that the, the, the question is when the pedal hits the metal. Like you, you talk in the, in the book about technology and how it's shifting and taking away jobs from folks. Yes. And you make specific reference to truck driving and the fact yes. that there are going to be these automated cars on the roads. So would you, Tucker Carlson, be in favor of restrictions on the ability of trucking companies to use this sort of technology specifically to you know, sort of artificially maintain the number of jobs that are available in the trucking industry? Are you joking? In a no, second. It, in a second. In other words, if I were president, when I say to DOT, Department of Transportation, we're not letting driverless trucks on the road, period. Why? Really simple. Driving for a living is the single most common job for high school educated men in this country, in all 50 states. By the way, that's the same group whose wages have gone down by 11% over the past 30 years. The social cost of eliminating their jobs in a 10-year span, five-year span, 30-year span, is so high that it's not sustainable. So the greater good is protecting your citizens from, look, capitalism is the best economic system I can think of, I think that anyone's ever thought of. But that doesn't mean that it's a religion and everything about it is good. No, but, but There's no Nicene creed of capitalism that I have to buy into. What I care about is living in a country where, you know, decent people can live happy lives, actually. And so, no, I would say, no, are you joking? He he makes it really clear there that just no capitalism isn't the be all end all, and you're not going to tell me it's okay to put people out of work because the free market brought us a new innovation. Yeah, I, I'm. 
having an identity crisis right now because I'm agreeing (laughs) with Tucker Carlson so much. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. So that's the end of the the Ben Shapiro portion of this journey. Next up is Dave Rubin. (laughs) Oh, my favorite. We get a cavalcade of them. Oh, my God. Um, I only have one clip from his Rubin Report interview because Dave Rubin is a fucking idiot. (laughs) Uh, There's very little (laughs) worth talking about. But here... Tucker does clarify something that put a lot of my frustrations with him into context for me. Because something that we get mad at Tucker for is when he, tu- when he pretends he's like a crusader for working people, wage earners, and really, so much of what you support is so counter to that. Yeah. Um, it turns out that this whole time we, us and Tucker, when we talk about working people, we haven't been talking about the same people. Okay. So I know we could talk about why we're frustrated with the Democrats all yeah. day long and all that, but let's let's put that aside because I feel like that's a little bit of low hanging fruit. And we both do it. it. Is. We do it enough. Too much. So let's let's talk more about the Republicans. Yes. So, so tell me some of your frustrations with the Republican Party. It's really simple. The Democratic Party was for you know eighty, probably close to hundred years, the party of wage earners, and sometime in the last, I would say, fifteen years, probably at the end of the Clinton. Right at the kind of apex of the tech boom in the late 90s, uh, the Clinton administration decided to reorient the party away from its traditional base to its new base, which is the rich and the poor. And the Republican Party, being dumb, didn't see this. And it was only the emergence of Trump that forced them to sort of realize that, wait a second, you know, we don't represent the people we thought we represented, mm-hmm. actually. the country It was the country club party. They denied it. They hated that that line because it was true. I mean, it's the, it's the things that are true that we, that we hate that to we, hear. That we hate the most. Yeah. <laughs> right. But um, we now need to become the middle class party. Well, they just didn't want to become the middle class party, actually, at all. And it took Trump. I mean, Trump is a, a flawed person, a complex, well, not a complex person, but a flawed person. <laughs> we'll get to that. Right. Okay. So, but, but <laughs> he basically has forced the Republican Party to be what it, in effect, already is, the party of last resort for people making, you know, fifty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. You know, the people who are making enough not to be on welfare, but not enough to send their kids to summer camp. That is a I mean, that's the core of the country. I, I was always picturing, you know, like gas station workers. Yeah. Tucker was talking about people making fifty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. And that makes way more sense. That is, in fact, a different group of people. <laughs> um, where does Tucker live? Uh, most of the year he lives in D.C., and he also has a house in rural Maine. Okay, so I'm thinking, I think D.C. has one of the highest cost of livings in any anywhere in the country, um, next to, like, L.A. and stuff. So I almost don't like the... 50k a year thing because like in dc or california that's nothing right but where we live in michigan that's a pretty pretty good right position to be in you can have you can have a good living on that yeah so i don't know it's like which 50k earner are you talking about (laughs) um (laughs) yeah that was really clarifying for me when he said the the problem with the democrats is that they're the party of the rich and the poor and we need a party that represents the middle class um that is, that, I guess it makes sense that that's what he's been saying the whole time, but I didn't get it. So that, um, I certainly didn't either, and I don't. I don't think his base thinks that either. Right? Yeah. 
that's that's all we have from the the Ruben report interview. Thank God. <laughs> they uh they, they talk about how Ru- how Dave Ruben gets bullied on Twitter a lot. Poor, I can't imagine guy. why. <laughs> and then so th- this is the last stop before we get into the main meat of this episode, but this is from a 2017 interview that Tucker did with the uh, the editor in chief of Business Insider. And at the very end of this interview, Tucker reveals something he should not have fucking said out loud. <laughs> okay. Let's hear it. Who'd you vote for? And which party are you registered to? Uh, I don't want to give the party thing because it's ah! actually misleading. Um, I, I, never, I never vote. So that's the truth. Okay. I didn't vote this time. I never do vote. Um, then you don't have a right to give your opinion. Yeah, I do. Um, and in fact I do Uh, and I'm registered actually with a party that I sincerely despise because I think it's really a force for bad in this country and it's a democratic party Um, but I'm registered because I live in the district it's a one party state and the one election I always vote in is the mayor's race because it matters and um, I own property there I raise four children there I live in the city and I think it's worth voting in that election so I always do I always vote for the more corrupt candidate over the idealist always (laughs) Always. <laughs> the person who will just like be happy taking payoffs from developers and leave me alone. It's always the can. This is like a meaningful decision in my life. And it's every four years. There's always some guy who's like, I'm going to make your life better. I vote against that person every <laughs> single time. You know what I mean? And it's usually some, honestly, it's usually whatever. Uh, it's, it's some progressive candidate who's got big plans for me. Um, and so I just vote for the, for the status quo, corrupt criminal operation that runs the city. And I'm really happy with that. <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah, what? <laughs> I, I, Tucker Carlson, am actively opposed to people who want what's best for me to be in charge. Yeah, I, <laughs> I only vote in the local mayor's race so that, and I vote for the corrupt candidate who will take payoffs from contractors and leave me alone. <laughs> okay, I have never met our mayor like or like the mayor of where we grew up. Yeah. Um and we live in a pretty small town. So um I don't imagine the mayor of DC is making a lot of house calls. What do you mean leave you alone? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Like I don't the fact that he the fact that he just doesn't think it's important for him to vote in national politics blows my mind when he does what he does for a living. Yeah. And like I get the I get the mindset that like oh both parties are trash cuz they're they're pretty trash. But one of them is so much more trash than the other. It is an absolute moral imperative that you vote for the one that is the least trash. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That whole interview was really adversarial um, and uncomfortable to watch. Um, maybe someday when I'm late on content, we'll listen to the whole thing because it was kind of fun. Right. Um, but we don't have time for that today because in 2017, Tucker Carlson went on the Free Speech Podcast hosted by Gavin McGinnis. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Now, if anyone doesn't know who Gavin McGinnis is... Uh, Back in the day, he was the founder of Vice, but more notably, he's also the founder of the Proud Boys. Um, Proud Boys. Proud Boys. 
Yeah, so Gavin McGinnis is a, uh, it would not be a stretch to call him a fascist. Or I mean, supremacist. Yeah, like. I mean, read, read the dude's Wikipedia page. I mean, he, he's called trans people gender N-words. His whole career has been built on lots of, like, misogyny, and he, he coined the whole Western chauvinist thing that the Proud Boys are into. Uh, he, yeah. he He's a bad dude. Very bad. Tucker had definitely never heard his show before. And he went on without any research? This is... This this interview is bananas. I've cut out very little of this. We're going to listen to probably like 90% of it. All right. <laughs> I'm scared. I've and, listened to very little actual um, McGinnis like, talking points. I just know he's the founder of the Proud Boys. Yeah, I mean, And they say a lot of bad shit. <laughs> Tucker, how you doing, buddy? Hey, man. How you doing? Who are you talking to? The world, basically. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to say 7 billion because I assume North Korea can't access this, but I'm, I'm probably talking to 90%. No, no, that's ridiculous. 5% of the world owns a computer. Is that true? It's only 5%? That's what I heard. Yeah. When, remember oh, when, the phones. when Thomas Friedman was talking about the world is flat? Yeah, I missed that. He assumes everyone is just online in India and Africa and Peru. I did recently read that the average West African spends like a quarter of his entire take-home pay on a cell phone. Really? Yeah. That's a good business to get. Isn't the richest man in the world the Hispanic dude who runs all Central it's and South Carlos American phones? owns the New York Times. Oh, he owns the New York Times yes. now. Wow. I think... It, what? <laughs> Uh, f full disclosure, I lost most of my notes this episode, but I believe Carlos Slim was briefly the richest person in the world in late 2013. Okay, um, yeah, because I, <laughs> I remember Jeff Bezos being richest for several years now. Yeah, he, Carlos Slim does not own the New York Times. He did buy, I, I believe it was like a little over six percent stake in the company. Um, he so he is a, he is a a large shareholder, but for Tucker to be like. Oh yeah, he owns the New York Times. It's, it's a little reductive. After this, Tucker offers Gavin a nicotine lozenge. And from here, this conversation will never be sane again. Would you like a nicotine lozenge? Uh, no, thank you. I've never smoked. Never will. Really? I don't get it. You know, smoking's not as fun as trying to quit smoking. That's fun? The nicotine replacement therapy, yeah, it's good. There's a variety of tools. You've got your vapes, you've I, got your I've fucking... Every one of them. There's not one nicotine replacement therapy I haven't used, from the patch to the vape to the lozenges to the gum. What's the gum? It's like seven bucks a pack? I buy mine in New Zealand on eBay <laughs> because it's not childproof. So you can get to it. Right. It's and delicious. It's how much delicious. is it? It's about maybe 300 bucks a week. That is insane. What the fuck? Yeah, so it's like a parking space. <laughs> so Tucker spends $300 a week on nicotine gum. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> um, it's like a parking space. Also, Tucker Carlson struggles with childproof nicotine. Gum. <laughs> yeah, it's enough of an inconvenience. He has to special order from New Zealand, like and pay three hundred dollars a week for it. <laughs> oh my god, that's like fifteen thousand a year or something. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> oh my god. So. Uh, but he, he he's not done extolling the virtues of nicotine gum. <laughs> but unlike a parking a space. A parking space in the most expensive parking city on earth. Yeah, but, I mean, 
as compared to a parking space, you get a deep sense of satisfaction, any nagging feelings of self-doubt or self-loathing or ameliorated. I mean, it's just really, it forms the basis of your joy. Oh, wow. So it doesn't just cure smoking, it cures all ails. Well, it, it cures unhappiness, basically. And the question really is, are you ready to be happy? I mean, this is the question most people never have to face. They assume, yeah, I want to be happy, but they don't really. They choose unhappiness again and again and again. I, by contrast, have chosen happiness. And that's in nicotine gum. That's exactly right. There's no downside that I know of. Well, the financial part is... Yeah, but it's worth it. Why do you work? Well, I do drink... Uh, when I'm drinking, it's, you know, the bill's always 40 bucks for a few Maker's Marks. No matter what. No matter what, yeah, you end up buying the other guys or something. It's see, I quit drinking and just went right to, right to nicotine. All right, sold. What the fuck was that? This is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> it forms the basis of your happiness. You just described an addiction, Tucker. <laughs> like, yeah, like <laughs> that. That was a commercial, and yeah, <laughs> for New Zealand anti-smoking gum. <laughs> <laughs> but after he finishes his nicotine ad read, um, Tucker has a startling revelation. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we're sitting here with Tucker Carlson. Is this actually going? It's live. Oh, God. <laughs> That's why I said I was talking to the whole world. <laughs> <had> no idea. <laughs> it's absolutely live. That's was hilarious. any of that a secret? No, I'm not. it doesn't bother me. Well, you said, who are you talking to? I said I'm talking to the world. <laughs> I thought you were kidding. <laughs> you had no idea that they were on the <laughs> So I know he wasn't getting paid for that commercial, so he just has that shit in his heart. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, I would have said right? if I was just talking to a camera. Hilarious. Um, we've got a lot of ground to cover. Great. Today. Uh, we've got till 11. So why don't we just dive into it? Let's right? do it. The irony is that now that Tucker knows they're on the air, it doesn't matter because that conversation about nicotine gum is the most singularly focused this discussion will ever be again. We found his true passion. <laughs> to start off the interview proper, Gavin wants to discuss Tucker's career tra trajectory, and it quickly gets weird. Um, you've got a, a long and feathered career in media. Just invented that adjective, by the I way, like it. for that. Uh, one thing I find inspiring about you is you have like 30 different careers. Yes, I keep getting fired. You keep getting fired yes. and you keep getting back on your feet. And I, I always feel like... I'm some sort of warrior for having maybe two, but then I look at your background and you've you've been to the top of the mountain five times. Yeah, and then fell off. I, I think having a lot of kids young is the key. That's the key. I got key. married at 22, had a ton of kids. Before How many kids we got? Four, four, and they all needed to be educated. And you know, at that point, smoking weed is just not an option. You have to get out of bed. I want to bring that up too. I want to talk about uh, boarding school. Uh, in a second here. So they never talk about boarding school. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was such a weird pivot, though. I've been fired a lot. Uh, I think it's good to have a lot of kids young. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, why? Like, he has a thought process, but it's not linear. <laughs> yeah. Well, it probably works out for Tucker Carlson, Tucker Tucker Swanson, whatever. <laughs> What's the what's the third one? Uh, McNear. McNear. Tucker Mc, Swanson McNear Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, if you are a rich white boy, um, maybe getting fired isn't as big of a deal for you, and having a bunch of kids yeah. is not as hard for you. Yeah. Uh, for somebody who 
wasn't making Tucker money, having four kids and getting fired is not just motivation to to buck up. It's like Life a crisis ruining. you may never recover from. Yeah. <laughs> but you think having kids early gives you that drive you need oh, to absolutely. never fail. Yeah, I mean, people are, well, speaking for myself, I am profoundly lazy. Uh-huh. Like, literally, you know, donut eating cop asleep in the patrol car lazy. Really lazy. Have you ever been without the kids for and the wife for, say, 30 hours? Yeah, totally. Oh, I guess apart. every weekend when you're in New York. You immediately fall apart into indolence and unshavenness. And- so you, in your hotel room, you just sit around in your underwear eating yesterday's hamburger, which is still on the ground, oh. watching an X-Men you've seen three times now. I would do that, but I, I'm so paranoid about wasting my life uh-huh. because you do die at the end and I'm 45 and so I feel like, you know, probably not here forever, that I set up things to do constantly. I, I cannot just sit and waste time because it, i feel so anxious about death that doesn't sound lazy what is happening this conversation is insane like as a distillation of human interaction this interview is the single greatest argument in favor of a meteor wiping out our civilization <laughs> <laughs> honestly holy crap when Tucker claims that he's lazy, Gavin McGinnis is going to push back and call him out in a way that, like, I wish any serious person would do about anything else. Well, I am lazy, so I'm constantly fighting against it. It's like, if you know people who are in middle age and still really thin, it's not an accident of biology. It's not because they have faster metabolisms. It's because they're terrified by the prospect of getting fat. 100% of them. They hate food. They're... I mean, I don't want to use the term eating disorder, but they are, like, obsessed with not eating too much food. You're talking about women. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that introduces the thread that will run through the rest of this conversation, which is rampant misogyny. I, yeah, it's just, it's like, men can't be thin in their 40s, or men can't, what, what's the... <laughs> but they're not done litigating how lazy Tucker is before oh, right, really right, dive right. in. Yeah, but also they're dudes. I mean, in TV, there are lots of people like that. So it's intentional and because they know they could be fat. That's the point. And I know that I could just sit around and, you know, I don't know, do something pointless and then wake up at the end and think my life is over and I didn't do anything. And that's that's a terrifying prospect. That sounds like bullshit. I, I swear to God that's true. I think you like the idea of being a lazy guy, but you're just – I really am. Like... Oh, it's unbelievable. No, lazy guys – fall asleep watching TV with the spaghetti in a pot, and then they wake up and they flip the spaghetti over and it looks like a seal's stomach. It's still sort of blanched on the bottom because it didn't dry out. And then they just start <laughs> eating disgusting. that because the top is dried out. Now, if that's foreign to you, then you're not a genuinely lazy Well, I guy. have a, t- a lot of kids and I've been fired, so ever since I got fired, I, I really took work for granted. I, I started out in, in print, not making any money, then I accidentally got into TV and made... Of, by my standards, a lot of money, and then I became completely entitled and lazy and distracted, and then I got fired, and I realized, wow, entitlement is really ugly and counterproductive and disgusting, and I will never be that way again. So I was scared straight. So Gavin McGinnis seems to have a very vivid image of what a lazy person is. <laughs> yeah. Almost a first-hand experience. <laughs> yeah, we we see uh, some shades here, because... It- Gavin McGinnis's first dream was to be a stand-up comedian, and then he just failed at that. Why are there so many conservatives right. who used to be stand-up comedians who right. weren't yeah, funny? It's like, 
the, the there's a, a straight pipeline between failed comedians and shitty conservative pundits. <laughs> yeah, because it can't be that I'm not funny. It has to be that the audiences have been subjected to leftist propaganda. Yes. Sorry. Okay, we're going. <laughs> By the mainstream media. Okay, sorry. I... <laughs> probably keep going <laughs> but uh T tucker reminds gavin of someone you remind me of that dude adam mark smith who was on tv the other night he's the guy who went to chick-fil-a and said to that woman working there you should be ashamed of yourself uh you're working at a homophobic institution and then he put it up on youtube <laughs> he lost his job he lost a million dollars in shares he's Whoa. been unemployed for three years he's on food stamps which i don't get and he wrote a book called the million dollar cup of coffee i mean a million dollar cup of water because he went and got a water at Chick-fil-A. Wow. Uh, and you're looking at him going, why don't you help people move or be a man with a van or something? Right. Well, good. that's a good question. I mean, I do think about unemployment, having been unemployed, and I'm, I'm sure you know the feeling. You can get <laughs> into a spiral where, you know, you are feeling sorry for yourself. I mean, self-pity, obviously, is the enemy of action and happiness. And you can start to, like, get into the woe is me thing. And then you get into a spiral of loserdom where you just, like, don't do anything. Well, I am a pervert. It was maybe unfair for me to cut it there, but that was the next thing he said. <laughs> this is a very telling interview. Like a lot of a lot of sound bites in here that would be very useful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, um that that guy Gavin mentioned at the, the Chick-fil-A thing, um I only looked a, a tiny bit into him, but he seems like a bit of a, a grifter to me, like he does speeches now. And like that's that's not a protest driving through to get a cup of water and yell at a Chick Fil A employee like yeah don't yell at employees for being treated poorly by employers that's yeah. not their fault <laughs> yeah so f fuck that guy I guess um, given my limited knowledge base about him but yeah Gavin is a pervert <laughs> noted so let's hear him explain how that's relevant well that that's helpful so Gee. that is is helpful because if you stay at home and grow a beard and wear a bathrobe your wife becomes disgusted by you yes that's true and fornication's out of the at least with me i'm not going to get laid right so even me leaving at 9 a.m and walking around the block yes. for five hours is more sex than staying at home so i just rent an office and start that's a new project so useful so perversion is the nuclear reactor that drives you forward well Gene Simmons said all music is driven by sex, and I would argue everything is driven by Civilization sex. Civilization itself. This is how you know that women don't actually hate violence. Men have wars. <laughs> well, this is what's so amazing about Free the Nipple, where they're trying to desexualize. Have you heard about this? Yes. They're trying to desexualize breasts, oh, but breasts on. were created of course. through evolution because we were walking upright and women were saying, hey, stop. My eyes are up here at my tits. Exactly. Okay. Um, that's not how evolution works. Yeah. <laughs> like, Gavin is a, a small child. <laughs> also, he has very strange definitions for what a pervert is. Like, liking sex is normal. Yeah, yeah, most people like to have sex with their wives, Gavin. <laughs> yeah. Also, the only thing between you having sex with your wife is, like, showering and <laughs> shaving once in a while. Like, that's... <laughs> that's the standard and you're like god my life is so hard i have to walk around the block for five hours <laughs> just to get laid but they're talking about free the nipple tyler right and at this point tucker carlson says the craziest shit i've ever heard i don't think gavin processes it we're gonna play this as many times as we need to okay all right <laughs> also what's the point of an oedipus complex if you can't be sexually obsessed with breasts 
What the oh, fuck was that? That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Um, what is the point of an Oedipus complex? Oedipus complex, correct me if I'm wrong, wanting to fuck your mom? Yep. Um, what is the point of, a, <laughs> of wanting to fuck your mom if you're not sexually interested in nipples? Um, <laughs> what? What is that? <laughs> God, <laughs> I'm gonna play that We're... again. <laughs> Go okay, ahead. okay, all right. Also, what's the point of an Oedipus complex if you can't be sexually obsessed with breasts? Well, yeah. What's the? Why are you desexualizing them? Because you want to walk around topless and you feel vulnerable. The whole thing is ludicrous. go bananas. If... Okay, okay. So, in Tucker's mind, is the Oedipus complex the goal? That's what. That's where we're supposed to be. And we're not going to have it anymore if we free the nipple? Is that is that his argument? Yeah, I I have no idea. What, like, I wish Gavin would have, like... I don't think Gavin understood what he said, honestly. I don't think either of these men have read Oedipus Rex. That's my <laughs> guess. Um, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> so, so then um, we mentioned that... Uh, Gavin is a failed stand-up comedian. Here he's gonna throw some shade on a, on a different, um, comedian. And it, knowing what, knowing what we know about Gavin's history, this is just the pettiest shit. Go bananas! If women, if men, and I, this will never happen and I pray that it never does, but if men actually treated women as they treated other men, which is the stated goal of some of the most unhappy feminists, women would hate it. And rightly so. You know? Oh, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I was just watching last night. Ari Schiffer is in trouble because he mocked another comedian who has is fat and is missing one arm. And uh, he said, God, this girl I know, he says her name. I forget her name. Damien Marcells or something like that. She's she's not an accomplished comedian at all. Although I think she works regularly at the comedy store in L.A. because they see a fat woman with one arm and they go, we need to check that off the box. She has no comedy chops whatsoever. It's another Trevor Noah situation. Anyway, yeah, but I think it's Ari Shafir, by the way. Ari Shafir. And do you remember? The, can you look up the name of the one-armed lady? And he mentioned that she has one arm because it's a very identifiable trait. It's like if there was a cop describing a sure. robber, he would throw in that she was missing an arm. He, he might say he she might had long that. eyelashes. Yeah. So he goes, this woman's annoying. She has one arm. She's fat. And she had that fat smell. And then he talked about how hard it would be to wash if you're super fat with one it's arm. It's Damien or Damien uh, Merlina. Yeah, that sounds right. Damien Merlina. So I'm watching his set because I want to see what she's in tears. Every female comedian is crying with her. It was a horrible attack. It was unprovoked. And I'm watching it and I'm like, this is how we talk to each other. Yeah. Did, did, did you track the point he's trying to make there? Um, all right, I will say what I understood, and you can correct me. Okay. Um, a comedian said a woman had one arm, was fat, and stunk. <laughs> and people are upset with him for saying that he has one arm, or that uh, she had one arm. That's that's his argument? Yep. <laughs> okay. Crystal clear. That, um, that makes perfect sense. Furthermore, it's it's <laughs> it's crazy for her to be upset about that if she wants equality because that's how men talk to each other. He's going to go on to give another example of uh, his former business partner who was attractive and he says looked like a Greek god. 
And when they would go places for work, this guy would look at Gavin, tell him he was ugly and looked like a raisin, and then be like, and I, I'm a god. Um, and, he's, and, and this is how men are. Women don't want to be a part of that. It's like. That guy sounds like an asshole. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, you need better friends, Gavin. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know if this is too personal, but, like, I I notice a lot when I meet new men outside of our friend circle, and they do the, the quote-unquote normal, like, poking at each other to, like, commiserate. I hate it because all of my close friends don't do that, and it's yeah. weird to me, and it hurts my feelings. <laughs> and so, but I have to remind myself that like other guys do this, and it's normal for them. Yeah, I, I don't want to just stop it. Like, oh, well, men are just rampant dicks to each other, so shut up, women. <laughs> yeah, but the point I'm trying to make is not all men do this. Some yeah. men are into you know teasing each other, and some men are not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. But then after he tells the story about his old business partner, he's got one more anecdote to drop this up. We had a guy in high school who had mental illness. He was schizophrenic. He went in and out of mental institutions. His nickname was Crazy Ryan. <laughs> Did he ever recover? I don't think so, no. <laughs> Did he recover from schizophrenia? <laughs> but don't worry, Gavin remembered some good news about Crazy Ryan. <laughs> Oh, See, no, he did. He did. He has a kid now and stuff. He probably really, he wanted to kill me because I let it out that he was Crazy Ryan about 10 years ago. So I'm sure he's going to be back in my life very soon. <laughs> Lock the door. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, calling people with mental disorders crazy is rude and don't do it. How about, how about that, Gavin? So Gavin's a dick. <laughs> Massive dick. And then Tucker has some more thoughts about how women should be treated. Here's what I'm for. I'm for treating women differently from the way we treat men. I'm I'm not for playing along at all. I have instinctively protective feelings toward women. Yeah. Obviously including my three daughters and my wife, but but I like women actually in a very in a genuine way, not just a creepy way, though that way too. But <laughs> but in a in a warm way and but in a protective way. And I'm just never going to treat women the way I treat men. And I, by the way, I mean that as a compliment. I in a lot of ways I prefer women. Well, that's the irony is us sexists like women more than feminists. And in our world, they're more protected and safer and less raped and yes. less hit. Well, that's how I feel world. anyway. I feel like we have an obligation to have that attitude toward women, but I also feel like it grows out of an instinct that is inborn. I mean, it is in me anyway, and in every other man I know. I don't live in Brooklyn, so maybe they're so evolved there that they just see women as dudes, but that's not the way I see them. And I never will, and I don't want to. And I think there's something really ugly about demanding that people do that. The stated goal of feminism is to see women as men? <laughs> is that? Yeah, that, that that's what they think because it's like, you know, men are the defaults. So they just want that. <laughs> yeah, and like, I will admit I'm not super in tune with everything um, that feminism is pushing or not pushing, but like is in support of. Yeah. Um, but like... I think they're less interested in like your interpersonal relationships and that kind of thing. And they're more interested in institutional discrimination against women in the workplace or, you know, um, things like that. And like that can extend to your interpersonal relationships, like with your coworkers and stuff. If you, you know, if you invite everyone out to drink, except 
the girl like that's that's weird (laughs) um but but i think that the goals of feminism are more institutional than they're acting like they're right they're okay gavin and tucker are pretending that feminism is trying to control your thoughts about women yes Um, and that's bad that's all i'm trying to say (laughs) (laughs) yeah and there's a level on which we're two dudes critiquing two dudes discussion of feminism so yeah this isn't the place to go for like nuance um yeah but i'll I'll do what i can to be mean to him (laughs) same well, the experiment, what I see amongst my peers in hipster land is the experiment has failed and they're getting close to 40, their ovaries dried up and they're fucking miserable. If the experiment worked, I'd be all for it. Right. But this pretending women are kick-ass, pretending that they're superheroes and they're tough and they're dudes, leaves them with nothing because they're not dudes. Right. No, that's true. And they are in some ways tougher than men. They're less sentimental than men, I would say. And they're definitely less horrified by the details of you know, the human body and stuff. I mean, there are a lot of ways yeah. that women actually are harder, but just not in the ways that we have to pretend. Not in male they ways. Are. Exactly. They can't do chin-ups, but a woman can get a tattoo for three hours and be reading a magazine. Totally. A man gets a tattoo. I'm covered in tattoos, and still I have to, you know, take a Xanax and oh, it hurts. get drunk. Right, it I've heard. It kills. It's yeah. dizzying. But they just sit there and look at me like I'm a. I'm at the zoo, and they're watching the pain exhibit. I've seen that. That's so funny. I've seen that exact thing. And having seen my wife give birth four times and you know, sweat breaking out on her forehead, and she said to me, I will not cry in front of someone I don't know. I will <laughs> die first. And she meant it. Wow, I mean, I'd be bawling like a girl. I mean, not like a girl, I guess. Anyway, there are so many ways that I admire women because they are different. And again, I'm surrounded. I live with four of them and I work in TV, which is totally dominated by women. And I, I, I think I mean, I'm being defensive. Like, I like women. So my best friends are women. I sincerely mean I actually really like them. Women don't feel pain when they get tattoos. <laughs> News to me. I didn't know that. The generalization here is fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense. The And then the misogyny slips out like it's a joke. Like I like he couldn't have done that on purpose, right? Right. Oh, yeah. I would cry like a girl. Like he just he's just got the misogyny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's already on deck. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, do you Thank want god. Okay, we had a game. If you fart and you don't say safety and we call slut we all get to kick the shit out of you. <laughs> no ball shots and maybe a headshot or two. No kicking in the head, but violence <laughs> until you can name five breakfast cereals. So I remember the the safety game. the The rest of it <laughs> was kind of fuzzy. I don't remember the 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 slut part, and yeah. I don't remember the getting the shit beaten out of you part. <laughs> um. You, you know about the, the Proud Boys stupid-ass breakfast cereal thing, right? No. They have a breakfast cereal thing? It, yeah, so to join the Proud Boys, um, no. they do a, a an initiation where the, they'll stand in a circle and beat you until you name five breakfast cereals. What? Yeah. This is real? Yes. We're not living... <laughs> we're not living in a meme-averse? <laughs> That's what Gavin's bringing to the table. <laughs> Okay, th- this is the organization that is, like, one of the largest white supremacist groups right now. Yep. And that's their introduction ritual. <laughs> oh, he- he's going to talk more about it. Great, okay. 
Now you're getting pounded, so it's hard to think. <laughs> it's hard. Captain Crunch, uh, life, Cheerios, and and then you'll say another one, and they'll be like, "You already said Cheerios." <laughs> and that's the same initiation the Bloods and the Crips have. If you want to be part of that, it is not the same initiation that the Bloods and the Crips have. I don't doubt it. <laughs> okay. Is he trying to say we're as cool as the Bloods and the Crips? Because we... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what he's going for. Okay. Okay. We, we hit each other in your cereals. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, the cis women who identify as men, if you want to change a carburetor with us, if you want to put lime on the part of the lawn where the pine needles are falling down and you have to neutralize the acid. Of course. And you don't want clover and moss growing there, come on in. So he doesn't know what a cis woman is. He does not. <laughs> Why are you putting lime and a, a what a okay, a lime and a pine tree and something in the yard, Tyler? What if I don't have a pine tree in my yard? Tyler, these two men <laughs> are about to spend a minute and a half talking about their lawn care routine. Was this cut? Did we miss something? Or is no. that, this is exactly how it no, went? No, this is this is the next thought. Okay. I got nothing out of this. <laughs> uh, we can talk about Scott Seed versus that sort of pulp stuff. I hate the pulp, but it I don't works, think it. I, it I've, it's worked for me. I've stared at that pulp for weeks. The crap. You mean the ground green the ground, ground paper, paper pulp yes. with seeds oh in it? And you're looking at blue <laughs> shit too I know on your lawn. Blue I don't green. Like it's that. like aqua. I agree with you, but I did do it a couple times because it doesn't move when it rains. So if you're patching spots in the spring. This is a conversation that's not taking place on oxygen right now. If you're <laughs> patching bald spots in your lawn in the spring when it's heavy rain, it doesn't wash all the seeds off. No, but that you get that out of dried grass or hay or basically anything. No, you're probably right. Put down some nice topsoil, seed it, water it, put some topsoil on top of that. Right. And then just put some dried grass or hay or anything there to keep birds and to right. keep it from washing away. Probably you don't want to look at fucking blue all no, summer. No, you don't. You're right. Especially you August where you're not getting a lot of growth. No, and then it grows. It just grows up like a hair transplant. Yes. Know, <laughs> too, too tight together. Yeah. I, or you know what I've tried a few times? Frankenlawn. So you go to an area you don't care about. Yeah. It's, it's already sort of written off because it goes into the forest. Rip that up and go to your trouble spot and fucking plant it down. That's so smart. Speaking of hair transplants. You've got to water really the shit out of it. You really do. Stamp- <laughs> I wanted to let all of it play. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I think I can actively feel my brain cells dying. I couldn't believe this happened. <laughs> Welcome to the Lawn Boys podcast. <laughs> Tucker and Gavin. <laughs> Tucker, what'd you plant this week? <laughs> Next we're gonna beat each other and name five types of perennials. <laughs> On it and you have feet. to be faithful about it. You can't just, you know, kind of piss on it. Oh, no, no, no. That's your base. It's, it's like it. a transplant. I mean, it, it, your body could reject it. You've got to. No, it's totally right. You've got to check the specimen, show up in a cooler. I read know, a book on this once. That's how intense I got about lawns one year. <laughs> oh, really? Yes, I really did. We don't have big lawns in D.C., but mine was cherished. You understand, ladies? This is our world. Why do you want to be here? Okay. <laughs> no one wants to be here. No. So after this. They they finish up talking about their lawns, and then Gavin gets real fucking misogynistic. Like, more than before? Somehow, yes. Okay. 
<laughs> it's it's Dungeons and Dragons. Same with politics. Uh, it's economics. It's all numbers. How many legals are here? What's the GDP? How is unemployment change? Why do you want to pretend that's your world? You're not. There's none of you in math because you don't have a predilection to STEM. Now, Larry Summers got fired for even asking why that is. But it's a fucking fact. And if you want to come on board for a week, try it. There's none of you here because you don't have a predilection to STEM. Yes, that's why women aren't in STEM. Also, politics don't affect women? <laughs> that's... <laughs> yeah, he's also saying women shouldn't pretend to be interested in politics. So. That's, like, other other levels. It's like an entirely new level of misogyny. Just Yeah, like, yeah it's crazy. Like, women are incapable of understanding how politics affect them? Is that... Yeah, I, G Gavin is from the 1800s. Like, it, seriously, holy shit. <sighs> um, and then, th this isn't going to get less gross. I noticed this, by the way, on Fox when you're on Outnumbered, and you said something incredibly controversial, which is, it's different for a 16-year-old boy to get raped, air quotes, by a hot teacher in lingerie than it is for some disgusting old 40-year-old man to fuck a 16-year-old student. You think? You think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not even in the same universe, actually. And and I don't, you know, I guess there are lots of things you have to play along with in life, and I understand society demands compromises. We all live together in close sure. quarters. A woman have. can win the Nobel Peace Prize for mathematics. No one's saying that's impossible. Right, that's right. Except for you. That is, in fact, impossible <laughs> to win the Nobel Peace Prize for mathematics. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not, and, I, you know, I'm not good at math. But I'm not, there is a limit beyond which I can't pretend anymore. And calling a, was in this case, it was a 17-year-old kid, a rape victim, because a, a teacher who wasn't even that old or married was kind enough to initiate him into the ways of adulthood. I'm just not going <laughs> to sit there. And my view was, having been a boy and seen this a lot, my best friend uh, was involved in a relationship like that when we were kids. There are not that many options. So you're a 15 or 16, 17-year-old boy. You're, you are driven by biology to procreate. Yes. So you're either going to be inflicting your attentions on one of your peers, who is, let's be honest, not ready for it. She's going to get hurt emotionally. 90%, I mean, I've never seen a woman not hurt at that girl at that age. Or so th There's a lot that's fucked up in there. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to pull out was if you don't find an older woman to initiate into the ways of adulthood, you'll be inflicting your desires on, your, on girls who are your peers who aren't ready for it. That is some sketchy shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I will I will give it to them. They are correct that it is different when a male student sleeps with a female teacher and when a female student sleeps with a male teacher in that the genders are reversed. They are not different in that they are immoral <laughs> yeah. and should not be allowed to happen. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's and it, should not be condoned. <laughs> it's it's still an abuse of power, like it and you still can't legally consent. <laughs> yeah, and like, is is it probably less damaging than that could in some other cases you could point to? Yeah, sure, but like, there's a reason we take a we take a line socially on these yeah. things. Like, or 
you can have a safer, albeit technically illegal outlet with a woman who knows what she's doing. You're not going to hurt her. You know what I mean? Like, this is harm reduction. This is like a needle exchange. In the working class, which you are against. (laughs) (laughs) One generation ago, a dad would get his son someone like that. Well, sure. Well, he would set it up. Clayton it would Williams, be like- who ran for governor of Texas, famously bragged, I think, in a debate that when he was a boy, his dad took him across the border to Juarez, you know, to a bordello. He he lost the race, by the way, because of that. I, you know, I think it was one of the many factors. But you sh- you're not you're not allowed to. I mean, you, know, you shouldn't say everything out loud that is true. Obviously, I mean, right. again, one of the many compromises we make. But I'm not going to pretend that that's rape because it's just not, <clears throat> and it demeans and devalues. Real rape. Tell me more about real rape, Tucker. <laughs> also, uh, colonialism is bad, Tucker. Um, <laughs> going across the border to find an exotic wife for your son is creepy and weird and don't yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, not a fan. Not a fan. In fairness, I'm not a father. But I've thought a lot about being a father. And one thing I don't think I'd do is be like, all right, my kid's ready now. I'm going to find a... <laughs> Find an experienced woman to initiate him into the ways of adulthood. (laughs) Yeah, like, that sounds like you're getting your teenager a prostitute. I don't know. I don't know what other avenues you're utilizing. Yeah, that's definitely what they're talking about. Maybe maybe you have a friend who's a human trafficker, but that's not, like, better. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they, they carry on with this thread, and Tucker tells a weird fucking story. That's what keeps happening with this right versus left and feminism thing. It ends up that your right-wing views about women leave them better off than the feminist version. In the feminist version, some beautiful 29-year-old in lingerie with the little bows on the knees. Do you remember that one? Yeah. She's, she should go to jail. She should have a sex offender no. thing. And I don't think women understand how unfathomably horny you are from 15 220. Yes. I mean, you could cry thinking about a pair of tits. Yes. And proof of that is we, because girls, my experience, and this is middle class Canada, they didn't really start like, all right, let's get going on this till after college. Right. In the 40s. Canada. Till 23, 24, 25. Right. But up until then, for me personally, you know, there was good moments, but a lot of it was sort of negotiating of and let's try and teaching. And that was back when women had here. power. I mean, the irony is all this female empowerment has left a lot of girls hopelessly unempowered. And it's right. really, really, I was talking to one of our babysitters. I had two major notes from that one. Go um, ahead. So he seems to think that if you're attractive, you can't be a sex offender. <laughs> um, and And you should be immune from from the law of having sex with minors yes. if you're a 29 year old in lingerie with bows on your knees i don't still, still illegal actually yeah <laughs> um and then i don't know about you but like when i was in middle school and high school i wouldn't have cried at the thought of some nipples no nope. or something no uh i i can't say i ever <laughs> cried thinking about a pair of tits I love Tucker just solemnly, like, yes. Did did they, like, live in the same world as we did? Like, I don't... (laughs) Did they go through the same puberty as we did? So I had to clear the deck there, because we need room in our minds, (laughs) in our hearts, for this story Tucker's about to tell about talking to one of his kids' babysitters. Okay. 
talking to one of our babysitters about it the other day, and she was saying in college, you know, the expectation is you'll some guy texts you and you go over and service him and leave, no dinner, nothing. There's no expectation you'll get anything in return. You are just a commodity, and if you don't do it, someone else will. And I said, but that doesn't sound like empowerment to me. And she <laughs> said, no, we're very empowered. And I said, boy, that sounds like disempowerment. It sounds like you are powerless. Right. And she looked at me kind of quizzically like, really? I think I hurt her feelings, but it seemed true. And by the way, yeah, that's a sex thing. slave. Women having sex with men they want to have sex with is disempowerment. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank so, you, Tucker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and th- th- there's room for nuance here. What Tucker's describing, you know, it-, it could be like an abusive relationship, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, and like, no. <laughs> if that's what somebody wants to do, they're not a sex slave um, because that's what they want to be doing. Yeah. Um, Someone texts you and says, hey, want to bang? You just... And you say no, and they're like, you can't say no. That's a problem. But if you, you know, if you say no, then you're not having sex with someone you don't want to have yeah. sex with. And that's empowerment. But the weirder <laughs> part of this to me. So when Tucker said he was talking to his babysitter about this, I assumed, right, that Tucker's babysitter is probably a conservative person who was like, it probably approached this conversation on the same track, right? Like it... Yeah, they they want to talk about a little empowerment, but they're just throwing their bodies around all over. But then the detail that she's like, "No, we're very empowered," and he said, "I don't think so." And she looked at him kind of quizzically, and she's like, "Really?" And he said, "I think I hurt her feelings." That makes this conversation so much weirder. Because then, why did this come up? Why are you talking to the, your kid's babysitter about her sex life? Yeah, I I sort of got lost in my imagination because I thought he was going to say, hey, I know you're a college student and you're babysitting my children, but if you want to fuck my kids, that's fine because you're an adult. Um, That's it. We need to initiate my son into the ways of adulthood. (laughs) um, But but what actually happened is, in fact, really creepy as well. I'm glad that you reminded me. Yeah. Yeah, Very weird. I'll give you some nicotine gum. It's worth $300 a week. Well, you look at the 70s, and that free love was all about men getting more laid. Course, always, the whole origins always. of the hippie movement was more poontang for is. these fucking the hippies. The origins of every Conservatives, movement. by their books, don't really get that laid. They get to marry their high school sweetheart. That's exactly... I did, I can say. Okay. Now, I left that in the setup because I am so fucking excited for what's about to happen. Okay. All right. How many women have you had sex with in your life? A lot. Because you went, what? It was a short window, but I packed it full. <laughs> you carpet bombed. Yeah, yeah, I did. Was it DC? <laughs> it was more like a, yeah, it really was. It was like a neutron bomb. It was like a neutron bomb. <laughs> okay. He, A, married his high school sweetheart. And B, slept with hundreds of women. Yep. <laughs> multiple hundreds. Um, I'm curious about the time frame on that one. Um, but I probably don't need to because he's just lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's insane. <laughs> Why does he want to impress Gavin McGinnis so much? God, like, did he see his beard and was like, "Oh, this guy is cool. I have to, <laughs> I have to play up my sex life." It was a short window, but I packed it full. <laughs> so, 
I, I don't know when in high school they started dating. I know he got married at 22. Even if they started dating on the last day of high school, yeah. how many women are in his high school that want to sleep with Tucker Carlson? <laughs> Say, well, I, I accompany my dad on a few hundred trips to the bordello. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the only explanation. Uh, I, I was on... Uh, I can't remember where I said this. I think it was in Thought Catalog, where I was fired from later. But I said, <laughs> you can hit a woman once for every 12 times she hits you. So, boom, big, good hits. You know, bish, 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 bish. and you're like, calm down, calm down, calm down, 11, 12. And not a black eye, but like a chest punch or something. And then she goes flying across the room. You said that out loud? Yeah. I believe that. How did it work? Uh, well, the funny thing is the feminist said 12, more like one. Fuck you. What, you think we can't handle it? And I'm they going... They did? Yeah, I do think you can. And then the conservatives were mad at me because the number was so low. They're more like 1,200. Or actually, the truth is they said never under any circumstances. So the feminists, the danger of this work kick ass means, okay, you're going to get punched oh, I know. in the face. Right. So real freedom is like serving on the front lines. Why, I, when I, I remember being in Iraq and talking to... The one whoa, time I went to the... what 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 <laughs> what the okay so if serving in Iraq is the real front lines <laughs> the fake front lines is being hit by your girlfriend is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it Gavin's entire worldview is so much violence like <laughs> yeah I I hope I don't have to go over this but for the sake of thoroughness um. Men hitting women is bad, and women hitting men is bad, and men hitting men is bad, and women hitting women is bad. Yeah, don't, uh, don't fucking hit each don't other. Don't hit each other? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, like, you, you have to do... Okay, so in, in Gavin's worldview, you have to do math while you're having a physical confrontation <laughs> with your partner. <laughs> It's like, oh, I've reached the threshold at which I can break her sternum. <laughs> what? <laughs> We've both agreed to these rules. That's 12. <laughs> oh, it's just so weird that people think like this. I, uh, okay. Anyway. Green zone, some PIO, some idiot colonel telling me about how beautiful it was. He'd just been in a field hospital where a woman had her legs blown off. And I was like, ugh. And her husband showed up and he was there when she died and she gave her life for her country. And I thought, that's beauty? Watching a woman get maimed in war? That's disgusting. It's disgusting. And that's not evolution. That's devolution. That's that's like going backward into, you know, barbarianism. That's horrible. Tucker Carlson, noted evolution understander. <laughs> Yeah, so women in the military is devolution. Yeah. Um, I would agree it's not beautiful when somebody gets their legs blown off and died. But... What? Someone hasn't been on r slash watch people die before. <laughs> it's not quite the thread Gavin latches onto, though. I'm never going to look... not the deal. That's not what That's we... disgusting. And when you see them on a... Bill McGowan brought this up once. When you see them on a poster, and it says, The Proud, The Few, and three of them have a skirt on... I don't like the jihadists seeing that image. Well, I kind of like the, mid scary. the middle finger quality of it, though. I don't think they feel that. Maybe if they get bombed by a female fighter in a jet, 
But when they just see a woman carrying a clipboard in a dress skirt, they go, this is what you're going to do? Well, speaking of celibacy, they're probably totally just like halted in their tracks by the sight of an uncovered woman. Just the knees. Yeah, just the knees. There's so much. There's so much. <laughs> women, military women bring clipboards into battle? <laughs> <laughs> and the jihadists see that on posters and they think we're weak. Yes. Um. So these men have never met a woman who was in the military because they don't they don't wear dresses into battle <laughs> or skirts. Yeah, that's so fucking stupid. Um, and we don't and we it's so it's just like fundamentally we don't dissuade terrorists with posters. <laughs> like, like they don't visit New York and go, oh, they have a military. I better not attack anymore. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm rethinking this attack, you guys. Everybody on that poster has a dick. <laughs> not not a one of them has a clipboard. <laughs> and then these guys get really, really weird. Like, this clip is uncomfortable. God, it must, one thing about Saudi Arabia, just not to get off track, but it must be so fucking awesome to be looking at burqas all day. You come home, your wife is wearing... Gucci, Louis Vuitton, five-inch stilettos, because she doesn't get to do this. Of course not. So every night at home is the Academy Awards. Her hair's all crazy, and she's like, hello. But that's not what really happens, because you don't come home until like three in the morning, because you spend all night sitting on the floor, eating lamb with your hands. (laughs) I'm serious. With a bunch of your friends. Yeah, drinking little cups of super strong coffee and working your worry beads. Like, you never go home. Yeah. That, have you been to the, the Islamic world? I mean, that no. all the men sit around and play backgammon, which I love, use tobacco, which I love, but still, they're always with each other. When do they when do they procreate? That's true. <laughs> I don't think Tucker's been there either, based on his description. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Like, the, why were they whispering at each other? Like, that was so weird. Yeah, like, he just thought, what do Islam's... Or, Islam Muslims look like and then just the first thing that came to mind for several seconds yeah like one night in Iraq I saw these guys hanging out real late so they must never fuck their wives <laughs> yeah like what <laughs> but Gavin can relate though he hasn't been to the Islamic world but he has been to China no I noticed that with China you'll be walking I lived in China for a while and you'll walk by it's everyone's up at all hours because of the tea. Yes. And just you you look <laughs> in the tea. No, they drink more tea than anyone on earth. And you look in a window and you just see guys gambling all night and you think, don't you guys want to get laid at some point? <laughs> it's like those Alaskan wild family where they have the weird Duth rockabilly accent. You know those guys? With no, these, but I love it already. It's I a reality show about a family who lives in Alaska in the middle of the woods. And half of them are young 25-year-old boys. And they've lived with their family their whole life. So they've developed their own accent. And they say things like, hit me five, because they don't know what is going on. <laughs> they sound like Europeans. <laughs> right, you and Ukrainian like, immigrants. Dude, I moved out when I was 18. Go get laid. What happened? There's a crisis in this country. A sex crisis. I cut it off there, but a sex crisis. Um... <laughs> I did not realize how horny the Proud Boys were. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like the source of their frustration is all, why aren't you trying to fuck each other more? <laughs> that that seems to be like the foundational principle. <laughs> yeah, this, 
so, like, so narrow, narrow, narrow sided isn't a word. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, myopic. Narrow, yes, narrow myopic. minded. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> um, but Gavin's going to elaborate more on this sex crisis in this country. Getting laid has been ruined. We've cheapened it, and they're either have total apathy about it, or they're doing it so much that it's just become this diluted, wet. Well, there, you know, it's interesting. I employ a lot of really young people, and I notice that there's very little sexual anxiety among the young men I deal with. Yeah, like they're not plotting and planning for the next hookup. It's like that's a given. They're giving away that stuff in my world. I mean, there's Tinder, like. You know, I'm not, I know I'm getting that tonight. So like, I'm not worried. I don't know. I, I'm not arguing for anxiety, but I do think there's got to be a cost to that. So for millennia, men have worried about what am I going to score? And now they're not worried. Like that's a massive well, change. But the jury is still out on how late they get. Cause there's two, I'm getting two signals from these youngsters. One is sex is everywhere and I get anal on the first date. The other is I don't, I'll just masturbate. I don't really need it. Well, there's that. I, I keep meeting virgins. No, I know. Who are 21. I know. If you were a virgin in my generation at 21, I think you might get killed. You'd be beaten until you could name five breakfast cereals, that's for sure. Well, that's for farting <laughs> without saying the proper verbiage. I think you might just get stabbed. Because we'd be convinced you're a Wiccan or some sort of demon. <laughs> oh, You'd be man. convinced you're a Wiccan? <laughs> uh, just a, a gentle reminder. If you're 21 and a virgin, that's okay. Um, it, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> like m most people have never gone skydiving. It's not yeah. like a big deal. <laughs> and I I agree with them that like dating has been changed by dating apps and stuff, and and that Tinder sucks. Um, but like it's not. I don't I don't get the sense that either of these men have ever used it. Probably because they've yeah. been married for twenty years. Um, but like, it, it's not, it's not like, oh, I am, I already know I'm going to get laid tonight, like every fucking night. That's not how it yeah. works in my experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the, these, these guys are just trying to like make observations about a world they do not understand. Yeah. And then I, I really, it's so funny how focused he is on the sexual anxiety of his employees. <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, I'd, I've never employed anyone. If I did, I don't think I'd be like, oh, I wonder how often Austin's getting laid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I don't, I don't know much about this, or, it, but I do think that porn has changed a lot, and I. I don't know much about this, just to be clear. <laughs> don't really under, again, I don't understand, but I'm a huge believer in the obvious truth that massive societal changes have consequences you can't foresee, and some are good and some are bad, but they're always like m multiples of these consequences and they ripple out through the decades. So we didn't have porn 30 years ago that was available to everybody instantaneously in the back of a cab on their iPhone, and now we do. So, like, that's not going to change human behavior or human relationships? It is in a Maybe, big way. Maybe it might for the better. It I mean, might. No, it might. I'm I get saying, some great ideas from Nobody talks about it, though. That's so interesting. Like, this huge change 
and nobody ever mentions it. Oh no, I've heard it. I've heard it's oh, a problem have? with young women where their the expectations are too high. I've read articles about oh, okay. young girls having to do anal. Right. And anal is like that's like asking a guy to do a triathlon. I right. mean it's not impossible, but it's a big deal. You gotta train for it. <laughs> okay. There's a lot there. Um, <laughs> I feel like I say that a lot, that they just talk so fast and say yeah. so many stupid things. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Porn can be bad for you. If you're the type of person who's watching it in the back of a cab, <laughs> you might yeah. have a problem. Um, and he says nobody's talking about it. There have been a, I don't even know how many studies. People are studying how porn affects your brain. Yeah, um, just because, like, <laughs> nobody is walking up to you. I mean, have you heard about this yeah, porn just, thing? Just because you didn't Google it yet doesn't mean, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean that nobody's talking about it. Um, and there's some evidence that it can lead to some, like, to some misogyny or some, or interest in different sexual activities, like he says. Um, but regardless of all of that, uh, consent is still important. So, like, if yeah. you don't want to do something and you're forced to do it, that's a problem regardless of whether porn exists or not. Absolutely. Um, um, was that everything? I think that was most of it. Yeah. Well, uh, now we get to talk about more butt stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's not, you know, I read the Vice there. Guide to Anal Sex written by one Gavin McGinnis. Oh, that's how we so, met, right? Yes, that was such a good piece. That was Thank you very really much. smart. I mean, it was wasn't... The, it was the guy to eating pussy, though, that we bonded on. I like that, too. What? But it, they, they, this wasn't... If you haven't read the... I don't know if we're, we're actually being watched right now, but if your viewers who haven't actually read those pieces, so smart. Not just like pornography. It was like actually thoughtful and deep. So, Tyler. <laughs> Are we going to read these articles? Because... We're, we're going to read the Vice Guide to Anal Science. Oh, I'm so happy. Okay. <laughs> Written by one Gavin McGinnis. Listen, <laughs> this, this is how they met. I wanted. I want. I wish they would have elaborated. The, they, they really bonded over the Cunnilingus article. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Also, uh, Vice's change. Like this. This is the one Gavin McGinnis wrote. But Vice has since changed the byline to say Vice Staff because they no longer want to be associated with Gavin McGinnis. That's funny. Um. <laughs> Back in university, while having sex with my 32-year-old militant feminist girlfriend, a phrase slipped out of my mouth. We are in that primal mode in autopilot, when weird sounds come out like, good, and do it, fucker. Oh my god, it starts? This is how it starts. <laughs> okay. I don't think a radical feminist would fuck Gavin McGinnis. I could, I could be wrong. <laughs> we probably don't have time to comment on every stupid thing, but okay. Back in university, while having sex with my 32-year-old... Oh, hold on. Okay, do it, fucker. This time, however, out of nowhere, I go, I love hurting you. Instead of getting angry or disturbed, her eyes lit up and she said, I love it when you hurt me. That was the first time I totally understood what it's all about. Love hurts and sex is hostile. <laughs> as, as Robert J. Stoller writes in Sexual Excitement, the absence of hostility leads to sexual indifference and boredom. Humans are not a very loving species, especially when they make love. In a time when everything is about egalitarianism and feeling good, we are forgetting the merits of pain. What about the joy of dirty smells and helplessness? The joy of taking over someone's body like a snake with a frog in its mouth. I love that shit. 
So, oh. This is... So that's unsettling. <laughs> it's like the first hundred words, not even. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much of this we're going to be able to read, but... Uh, let's... <clears throat> the the title of the next section... Um, it, and I apologize to any listeners who are upset by this, but it's... Uh, I want I, the the title of the next section is "Fags Go Home," uh, um, and that's the last time I'm gonna say that word. But Gavin uses it liberally. I believe it. Um, before we get started, we have to zero in on what we're talking about. This article is not for f words. Uh, telling them how to have anal sex is like telling Puerto Ricans how to have babies. They are so over it, they could wake up in a sea of blood and poo with a hangover and say, that didn't work out so well, let's go get some amyl nitrate and try it again. They're the masters of the sport and have all kinds of great tips on how to use crack and other drugs, but I don't know. That's not just the hetero way. That's just not the hetero way. Wow, he got, like, racism and homophobia in here. Yeah, <laughs> right off the bat. Uh, this is deep, by the way. According to Tucker. Oh, yeah. Um, this instructional guide is for heterosexual couples who want to put the boy's dink in the girl's bum. There is a sidebar on how to nail hetero guys, but it's so easy it only deserves a few words. Girls not down with the brown. That's the next section. Um, okay. Not all ladies are potential sodomites. That's oh <laughs> true. Okay, I'll give him. <laughs> Maybe she was raped in the bum at fourteen. Sensitive handling of that, Gavin. Yeah. Um, oh, Maybe God. she grew up with a lot of homophobic brothers and believes that anuses are for f. Um, or maybe she's just not built for it, you know, the same way middle-aged men can't do gymnastics and thirteen-year-old girls are notoriously bad lieutenants. The no-way-in-hell girls have two distinct characteristics. One, they hate bands with female singers, and two, they shake their heads when you ask them if they liked it the first time, and then go, it felt like it had to go poo. If your girl is like this, stop reading now and try to get over it. What? <laughs> this, is, this is so stupid. I'm um, almost sad this is still on the internet. Yeah. N the next section, girls down with the brown. There are several types of ladies that are perfect for sodomy. <laughs> Why do you say it like that? First generation immigrants are great. Because after being bombarded with all kinds of new experiences, baseball, MTV, spaceship cars, they are ready to try anything. Spaceship cars? Spaceship cars. When, when do I get my <laughs> spaceship car? Virgins are good too. They just figured out how to work their vagina, so adding another one next to it isn't so absurd. It's like someone coming over with an extra cup when you're doing the dishes. You're just like, oh, that too? Oh, okay, let's get it soaked up. The ultimate catch, as far as willingness goes, would have to be Catholic schoolgirls. Thanks, thanks to oppressive fathers insisting their hymen stay intact, every other orifice gets a rigorous workout before graduation. In fact, nine times out of ten, it's the Catholic schoolgirl that introduces it to the boy. You don't need a condom, she'll say. We can bungee. That's their special word for it. And then that spoiled little boy is ruined forever. 
Odds are you're in a relationship with someone in between. She's not totally against it or totally into it. If so, you should be reading this, which you are so good. Um, I think we'll stop there. I don't need Gavin to explain to me how anal sex happens, but uh, that that's that's the kind of gravitas and depth he's approaching this subject with. Just groundbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that that is... I mean, I would have thought that was really funny when I was 12. Yeah. Well, I think that's an artist's job. His job is you are... Okay, we need to go back. (laughs) I just want to point out how, like, violent sex is in his world and how... Yeah, everything everything is predicated on violence for him. Yeah. Uh, And... Okay. Yeah, it's just... So smart. Not just, like, pornography. It was, like, actually thoughtful and deep. Well, I think that's an artist's job. His job is you are busy laying bricks. You're busy, yes. you know, accounting. I'm going to go out there and do some stuff and take notes. Right. So I didn't enjoy a, maybe a year of pussy eating for that thing because I'd be going, oh, this technique, I forgot that I do yes. this and was conscious the whole time, not losing myself in the vagina <laughs> and was able to pen that for the bricklayers. Fuck you. <laughs> My holy sexual sacrifice for for my people. I'm an artist. I spent a year not losing myself in the vagina. Fuck you. <laughs> if you could sum up what you learned. Oh, easy. I'm glad you asked that. We are so horny that we're sort of like bulls at the rodeo. The second the gate comes open, let's go. Yeah, that's right. Women are totally different. I completely agree. It's like a lamb in a field. You have to go, hello, hello, hello. And maybe from 40 feet away, maybe have some lamb food (laughs) and go, hey, Buster, hey. And then just take your time. I mean, right off a good 20 minutes. Sometimes you got to give them a fucking massage till your hands hurt. (laughs) So... You might have to make someone like you before they want to have sex with you. Yeah, yeah. Gavin's uh, big revelation from a year of thorough artistic pussy eating (laughs) was uh, that foreplay is good. Um, Like the the, there's this is just like childish. This is middle school boy shit. (laughs) Yeah, like I I don't. Admittedly, I don't have this conversation that often, but I don't think most men are like bulls and <laughs> immediately fuck anything that is in front of them. Yeah, I, 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 guys like that exist, I'm sure, but I don't think most people are like that. I'm not like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like some foreplay. Come on, <laughs> that is so smart, and that applies to everything, even pussy eating. You don't just come in like a pig at the trough. No, that's true. So I recommend. Coming in and doing absolutely nothing for maybe a minute just to add an air of suspense. So you're just sitting there. And she's like, what? Did he die? What is going on? You know, we when we first <laughs> met, it was... I think that's these are... Let's just take the sex part out of it, the salacious part out. As an observation about women, that's like brilliant and true. Yeah. 
And I've noticed that with arguing with my wife. Like, I can't just burst in with a rant. No, 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 no. She just backs away. Or, or how about when a woman comes to you, your wife comes to you and says, I'm really upset about this. Your instinct, obviously, is to, okay, here are the five things you need right. to do. And that is, no matter how many times you learn that lesson, you always forget it. And it's just want to hear your stupid, even though they may be accurate and useful, recommendations. She wants you to be quiet and just, like, listen and empathize and say, you know what? You're really suffering. I get it. Right. Well, your attitude is always is always like, what? No, tell them to fuck off. And if they get mad, then they're not your friends. <laughs> what? Done. Next next challenge. <laughs> so that's the, the depth Tucker got out of the pussy-eating article. Ah. Uh, I'm seeing it now. It's so clear. <laughs> it's like- also, men and women communicate slightly differently so so they're oppressed <laughs> yeah the, why would our fucking wife just listen to our advice it's good advice i mean the fact that they think this is worth listening to you know i mean th- this is shit literally like middle school hallways i mean yeah do you have a happy marriage having gathered all this information and really being an insight, I think, an insightful voice on this question, have you been able to apply it successfully at home? Oh, uh, I broke, my wife and I split uh, a couple years ago. Jesus Christ. A couple <laughs> years ago? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I have a great marriage. We just had lunch. <laughs> <laughs> We're just talking. It's like, what? Uh, I had a... I, I, I wish that had <laughs> been sincere. <laughs> I was thinking about that on the way over here, though. I have a great marriage, but it has downtime and because i'm in for the long haul yeah i can just say to myself and this has never happened but i could say to myself we're having a bad year this is going to be a bad year yeah i could not she i could not get laid for a year and well that happens when she's pregnant yeah but well, yeah i noticed you know because it's not like you get laid the day after the baby's no nope, no nope, you don't there's some like medically prescribed period as i recall and when i see these guys with young kids and they're divorced and the kids won i go you can't you can't have a bad year People move to other countries. I agree. They learn the language. Look at all immigrants. They come here and everyone is going, meow, 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 eating food that you've never seen. And they just go, I got to learn what meow, meow, meow is. And I have to eat one of those weird meat sandwiches that looks like a fat baby's ass. It's called a hamburger. looks like a baby taking a shit. Okay, no problem. And you can't have a bad year? I agree completely. I uh, didn't realize that so many cats were immigrating (laughs) to America (laughs) and struggling with the concept of hamburgers. (laughs) Looks like a baby's ass. Have you seen a baby's ass? Only to you. (laughs) Uh, Like, why is he so fucking weird, dude? Yeah, and. And you nailed it. Like, Tucker wants to impress him. Like, yeah, this is sad. Like, I I would have looked up to a guy like Gavin when I was 11, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh. There's such a thing as parental abuse. I mean, I was hit this morning. I was hit in the eye with a piece (laughs) of Lego. I saw, though. You had. So, I I should say, I I did skip a little bit here. They went on this really meandering tangent about um, how. People who don't have kids shouldn't have power to make decisions because they've what? never been forced to think about anyone other than themselves before. Um, 
Um, Citation needed. And then they go on to give Ann Coulter a pass, because Ann Coulter never had kids, but she's so smart on family issues. Um, And then Tucker is like, yeah, it's such a shame. I would have loved to see a bunch of little Coulters running around. Okay, so so if you disagree with me and you don't have kids, then you're wrong. But if you agree with me and you don't have kids, then you're fine. (laughs) Makes perfect sense. There's such a thing as parental abuse. I mean, I was hit this morning. I was hit in the eye with a piece of Lego. <laughs> I saw, though, you had a huge advantage on... I'm taller than him, but they will get you in the eyeball. You just beat the snot out of that kid, though. I do beat... I throw them around like a ragdoll. We have a game I play with my son called You Owe Me 100 Bucks, where I just pitch him and I throw him on the one... We have an L-shaped couch, and I throw him on that, Give me my money! Give me my money! And you can just... It makes the wife gasp, but they can really take a... The angry landlord game? Yeah, as it's long best. as... You gotta... Making me gasp too, Gavin. <laughs> and then Tucker said, like, "Oh yeah, the Angry Landlord game. <laughs> Is this a thing? <laughs> Wasn't a thing with me. Oh my god! Watch your couch because some couches have a little bit of a steel lip. Under yeah, they padded. So they do. I found it back when I used to drink. <laughs> yes, but but our couch is all pad. It's it's great for that. But okay, let's change the subject here because we have things we have to get to. We're all ready. And I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> Alternatively, don't throw your kids at the couch. <laughs> um, okay. So then, now is when they first get into the interview questions Gavin had written down. <laughs> We've been here for a long time, yeah, and we're, the we're, interview hasn't started yet? We're, we're, we're almost done. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, here's, here's the first controversy that Gavin wants to address. Controversy. Uh, you're t- you talk about the Daily Caller where you, where you work. You yeah. also work at Fox. There's some. Every time I mention Tucker this past two, couple weeks, they go, "Why did he let Mickey Kaus go? He was one of the good ones." Yeah, I agree. He was a liberal that was on our side. He was a smart liberal who thought analytically. I agree. He would win in arguments with conservatives. He made us better. I really like Mickey, and I certainly admired his, and do admire his intelligence and his ballsiness and his willing to say what he thinks is true. You admire his balls? No, I don't. I have no contact with them, no knowledge of them, but his ballsiness, the oh, okay. the, the courage of, of his writing. Because um, balls have no variety. They're always... You know, I haven't... I Honestly, I'm pretty ignorant on the subject. Okay. Um, I say with pride. <laughs> Tucker's pretty ignorant on the subject of balls? Yeah. Doesn't know much about balls. Also, again, with just why is everything so horny with this guy? Yeah, it's he, so he weird. Can't not do it. He's a child. It's so weird. Um, I just want to hang out with my friends and we can beat each other up and yell about cereal. <laughs> Talk about how weird balls are. Yeah, the the the, the Mickey Couch thing. Um, that was a uh, a writer who worked for the Daily Caller. Who he wrote a column. About how Fox News wasn't anti-immigration enough, and Tucker told him that the Daily Caller wasn't going to run it because Tucker works for Fox News. It was a conflict of interest, um, and Mickey decided to leave the Daily Caller over that incident. Um, so that that's what they're talking about there. Okay. Um, I'm going to skip the next bit because, frankly, we've been here a long time. <laughs> we've had fun, though, yeah, and I they, hope. And they, th- but they talk about... John Stewart's appearance on Crossfire. Okay. Um, the legendary appearance. Yeah. I think we're actually going to do a short, like, Foxhole episode about that okay. in the, pretty soon. Um, what are you meaning you, I think? 
Because I, I found a couple of things where Tucker t- like talks about a specific producer who was really insidious on that show, and I think I figured out who he's talking about. And there, there's there there it'll be interesting when we get there, but I'm gonna skip over it for now. So we'll probably get to hear Gavin McGinnis's voice again someday. Oh joy! Um, how I will miss it. See, then they tried taking a caller on the show because this is live. Um, let's, we've got a call here, right, John? Mm-hmm. That's what you're motioning. We should set up a whole sign language thing. Yeah. Oh, you did go like that. That's pretty good. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if deaf people use that. <laughs> when you're coming up with sign language, you must go, this is already a thing. Want to just use this? <laughs> uh, oh, I do. Okay. Hello, caller. Hello, d- caller today. You're our daily caller. I don't hear anything. Well, this guy's drunk. Maybe it's a sadistic mute. Did he hang up? He just hung up. Yeah. That that guy's a... What did I say? Clearly caller? chemically dependent in some way. Oh, I called him a daily caller. I you called him a daily caller. Daily he was call. enraged. Is, it, isn't that the place that fired Mickey Couch for telling the maybe truth? Maybe it was Mickey Couch. He just clicked. Probably he just Mickey. thought, I hate... When I hear that name, it's like skull and bone. <laughs> <laughs> I have to leave the room. <laughs> So Tucker goes right to, this guy is drunk or chemically dependent in some way. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was silly. And then let's see here. Um, do you know who Pat Buchanan is, Tyler? I've definitely heard the name, but I don't remember what he does. He's a, a terrible bigot. Um, and he, <laughs> he ran for president a couple of times. Um okay. There, there's a, if you want to know more about how Pat Buchanan sucks, the podcast Behind the Bastards has an episode about him. It's called uh, How Pat Buchanan's Secret Nazi Paid the Way for Donald Trump. It's a good listen. Um, I recommend it. But yeah, apparently Pat Buchanan had a debate with Hannity the night before that uh, Gavin was very impressed by. That's what I love about a good debate, too. Like Hannity and Buchanan last night. Hannity goes, you know, they ignored Hitler. And now we're hearing calls from Iran. I pay attention to them because I don't want another World War II. Right. And I go, yeah. And then Buchanan comes on and he goes, oh, was that such a great idea? We're fighting. Look what look uh, after the war, Britain was on American food stamps. They were bankrupt. All they had to do was form an alliance with France. Germany never would have gone anywhere. It was an unnecessary war. I'm like, yeah. No one's smarter than Pat Buchanan. Oh, well, it was a beauty. You know why that was such a great fight? Because it was a Scot and an Irish. And seeing those two <laughs> brawl, it's just like, get the popcorn, here they go. Though I think Pat identifies as Irish. Really? Yeah, he does. I know. I mean, you're a stickler for this. Um, he and- doesn't strike me. He's too smart to be Irish. <laughs> you're a stickler for racial purity. I know, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a tell there, maybe. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, Pat Buchanan is a Holocaust denier and, uh, like, def- <laughs> he was critical of the program to find Nazi agents living in the U.S. I mean, he, there's nobody smarter than Pat Buchanan. <sighs> Sounds like it. He's got some great ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I heard a rumor about Pat Buchanan. I, I heard he has a special sibling. And I don't think it's Down syndrome, I but it's that's something right. that's yes, visible. that's true. Him and his brothers, and this... I just want to say for anybody uh, who might be sensitive to this, what what Gavin is about to do is incredibly offensive. 
by the way, is a great example of the trouble with millennials because they will find this disgusting, and I think it is wonderful. They would take his brother out and go for a walk with him, and he'd be 10 feet ahead. So he'd be going, going to get some candy. And then there'd be some townsies or whatever. I think he's from Boston. I'm not sure. No, he's from D.C. D.C. And they go, hey, fucking retard. And he would look down. His brothers would then come in and just hospitalize the guy. (laughs) (laughs) They would tear him to shreds. I think that's right. And that shows the retard that you're, you're not a piece of shit. And people who laugh at you end up just jam on the pavement. <laughs> Isn't that a great message? What kind of ratings does this get? I mean, this is like the most unbelievable thing I've seen in a long time. I would watch this. Where does this air? Wow. A, it should be a... Oh, that? I thought you wanted to watch Buchanan beating no, no, up no, the no, bullies. No, no, I want to watch this show. I'll I send just, you links. I'll send oh you links. <laughs> Tucker's very impressed. By the prospect of... Killing people, turning them into jam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's super fucked up, right? Yeah. Um, and that 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 was telling for me that like th- this is what Tucker wants to see more of. <laughs> yeah, very weird. Has if the if the feds haven't tried to shut you down yet? This is actually a safe room. The walls are 13 inches thick, and the, that's why the front of it looks like a deli, and you why have to push the Gatorade to get in here. If I have to read another stupid art review in The New Yorker or The Times about, ooh, really, you know, this is breaking our preconceptions about this is very daring and bold. Really? An hour of this? I mean, you would just melt their brains, and if they had any balls, they would review it. Even to attack you. Well, the funny thing is it all sounds so benign to me. Like, uh, Pat Buchanan as a young man would beat up bullies. Sounds good. I would say that this uh, fits firmly into the counterculture uh, cabinet. Really? Yes, I would. This, just discussing this that? Progr- this program in general. I'm and I mean that as that a... Sounds so, it, my, that last story seems so benign. It, oh, I love it! It, it could I, be in a children's book. I'm, I'm on your side 100%. Trust me. I just... I'm... <laughs> It's not. It's not what everyone else is saying. It would this be a, ducks instead of people, and it would be a duck with Down syndrome. But it could be a children's book. <laughs> so I'm just gonna say, um, I think it is because you are okay with violence in the streets, just like people beating. People up, turning them into jelly. Yeah. Um, you're also really okay with sexual violence. Um, yeah. It, that is the problem. That is... <laughs> like, beating up bullies and, like, setting a trap for your brother to be abused so you can then get into a fight aren't the same thing. And, like... Yeah. The, the whole, it, it's all very fucked up. Yeah. Um, In short. <laughs> and... What I found interesting, really, in that whole interview is, like, Tucker didn't... It's clear at the end there, he didn't have a good idea what that show was going to be like. He didn't go in with any of his, like, talking points. This wasn't part of the book tour. Um, So this is just him talking to a buddy, and this is what he's like when he's he's not performing, when there's no artifice, there's not a point he's trying to make. Uh, He's just... uh, I mean, he's got he's got some like suburban dad energy, definitely, but he's also just like a... super down with beating the shit out of people and <laughs> yeah. misogyny and yeah, like this this is not 
any source of discomfort for him. And, um, that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that, that's the end of that. I have, I have one more clip to tie all this together right. that, um, this is from 2007. Uh, oh man. A YouTuber who ran a show called Cliffs and Quips interviewed him. This YouTuber is very, very awkward. And, uh, he want, and Tucker was still in his bow tie face at this point. Okay. And, um, Tucker offers to help him, teach him how to tie a bow tie. And so that's what they're doing over the course of this. And the tragedy of the bow tie is, even if I didn't like it, and I'm not saying I don't, but let's just say I didn't. Let's just say deep down, there was an anti bow tie guy struggling to get out. Mm -hmm. He would never be free. You can't give it up. Because that would be giving in to every, oh, nice bow tie. You know what I mean? Can you show me how to do it? It's not bad. Sure. Look, you gotta. How do you, how do I know what There's gonna be a lot of intimate contact between us, a lot of man touching, so I wanna prepare you for that. Alright. I'm totally ready. The first thing you do is you make it as small as you possibly can, because you don't want some floppy, freakish bow tie going on. Now, put it under your collar. Alright. Right, you wear ties a lot? I wear ties, yeah. Okay. You do? Alright. I mean, I guess not a lot, really. Right. Are you dating? Um, uh, meh. Yeah. Then you shouldn't start wearing ties. Okay. <laughs> you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't wear a bow tie until you've found the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, and that person accepts you for who you are, right? Sure. Because you start wearing the bow tie now, tch, no chance. You'll be, you'll be, it'll be you and eight cats in your apartment 30 <laughs> years from now. You know what I mean? Sure. That's a good call. Yeah. I think you're getting, like, love advice, everything. Tch, shit. I've got it all. I got married really young, so for me, you know, I found one of the four women in America who likes bow ties. <laughs> I'm set. But you, my friend, would be throwing a perfectly good life away by starting these now. Now, that's not a super great tie job. Right. I personally think you look quite dashing. I think so. I yeah. can't really see it. But... Now, keep that on and tell me if you're not mobbed on the way out. Okay. I'll be surprised. If... See, wasn't that charming? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and that's that's why I'm calling this little mini series about um, getting to know like who Tucker Carlson is outside of his show. Uh, I'm considering this the first part of that. I, the, the John Stewart one is going to fit into this too. I think we'll be doing at least three parts total. Right. Um, but I'm calling it the tragedy of the bow tie <laughs> because uh, I, I think Tucker is a tragic figure in that like. There's a part of him that could have just been like a cool, fun suburban dad. Who, yeah. Um, but instead, he went into the role he did that requires him to voice all his shitty opinions that he otherwise probably wouldn't talk about. And give a platform to white nationalist talking points yeah. to the largest cable show ever. <laughs> yeah. So um, we'll, we'll be back with a regular episode next week. Um, and we'll also be talking about the... Uh, first week of the um, Tucker Carlson Today podcast, so that should be fun. Fun, fun. <laughs> so yeah, Tyler, what's our sworn enemy this week? Our sworn enemy is Oedipus Rex. <laughs> <laughs> and his indoctrination of our men to want to fuck their moms. <laughs> and and make women show us their nipples. <laughs> Goddamn right. <laughs> Down <All> with right. <laughs> him. <laughs> we'll be back next Sunday. Um, next Monday is when we release them, I suppose. Uh, 
In the meantime, we have a website that's tuckitoutpod.com. Um, it's also a, you can email the show like Jim did because he's awesome at tuckitoutpod at gmail.com. Please email us. Um, We're lonely. <laughs> we do have a Patreon. Uh, and like I said, we'll see you next week. In the meantime, don't watch Tucker's show. I'll do it for you and try to enjoy your life. Thanks for listening. Buck up. It's going to get better. <laughs>